Hello friends and welcome to Mendu Disney, episode number 133, Disney Dark Rides. I am Tom, not Pete, and joining me tonight is Matt. Am I Pete? No, I'm Matt. I'm Matt. And that's it, just Matt and Tom again. I hope you guys liked last week's episode because it's still us this week. But we are three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pyramid gears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. I don't know if Pete's ever coming back. I'm kind of worried about it at this point. I haven't heard from him in a few weeks. It's it's getting scary. You know, it's it's the uh, the the Matt and Tom show for uh, for back to back weeks now. If if Pete doesn't show up next week, we may be in trouble. But he is still helping to edit our podcast. It hopefully makes us sound uh, better than we actually are at this. I have no faith in him in editing our podcast. I think he's just slapping it down, recording it, or li- listening to our recording. He's not even listening. I wonder if, Pete, if you're listening right now, tell me one thing we talked about on last week's podcast. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get back to you guys on how that, <laughs> if he has an answer. But uh, I did, uh, you know, the title is Disney Dark Rides. We're going to go through the Disney Dark What is a Disney Dark Ride first? So we're going to kind of break that down, break through that barrier, and then we have ranked them uh, with the criteria that we've kind of pulled from. So that's what we're going to discuss uh, throughout the episode. But before we do that, let's get to the news for this week. Not a ton to cover. Um, you know, we, we've talked about some of the big ticket items, whether that's, you know, Primeval Whirl, um, Flight of Passage, Stitch's Great Escape officially closing, you know, those are all, they're foregone conclusions, at least, that, that we discussed on this podcast. Maybe not Rivers of Light, but the other two, certainly. And so, um, you know, that that was some big news that's happened that I know we've covered. You know, obviously, the parks are still open. There hasn't been um, any s- directly related spike in cases due to Universal and Disney World being open. No one's traced it back to that uh, from a covid 19 standpoint, so I don't anticipate any hiccups there. I will tell you, Disney's wait times continue to be considerably lower for this time of the year. You'll see, you know, right there at Rope Drop, wait times will bubble up on some of the premier attractions, whether that's Slinky Dog or whether that's Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway. You really don't see it on Flight of Passage. I mean, that that's a premier premier attraction. We're not seeing it wait, but you know, the wait times are bubbling up to 45 to 60 minutes. The highest I've seen was 70 minutes for. Uh, really, really early on when Hollywood Studios opened, Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway did reach 70 or 75 minutes. But since then, it stayed in that 35 to 60-minute threshold. Um, now, one interesting note that I picked up this week, the wait times posted on the attractions are typically twice the amount of time you're going to wait. And I don't know if Disney's doing that to allow for additional, for that two-hour, every two hours they clean each ride vehicle. So I don't know if they just put that buffer in with the understanding that that cleaning process could take place, you know, while you jump in line or, or maybe that's just to, to uh, encourage folks to go to other portions of the park. I, I don't know, but so far, if, if you see a 60 minute wait, it's, it's closer to half hour. If you see a half hour wait, it's closer to 15 minutes. If you see 15 minutes and below, it's, it's pretty close to a walk on. Um, so keep that in mind. If you are traveling to the Disney, Disney parks, engage that for us. You know, we, we won't be there for, for another month or so, um, so we're we're basically picking up news everywhere we can 
And whether that's through vlogs that we pay attention to or people we know that live down in Florida and that are attending the parks right now. So that's um, that's one interesting piece of news we picked up. Another item I wanted to share, you know, we've talked about you can have food and drink and remove your mask in Disney World. And Disney has made an adjustment not only to that policy, but they've made an adjustment to the in-park announcement. So the in-park announcement, you know, used to read that, you know, keep your mask on whether you're eating or drinking, uh, continue to wash hands, socially distant. You know, it's, it's a, an a announcement that goes off maybe every half hour, every 45 minutes to Disney World. They've changed that announcement now that you can remove your mask when stationary. And so what that means is you cannot carry a bottle of water around with your mask removed and just claim, hey, I'm, I'm drinking this water. Disney has made it pretty clear that if you're going to remove your mask, you need to be stationary in a place where you are consuming said drink or snack. Now, there's no, no one's going to rush you to finish this, right? It's, it's not a situation where you got to eat as fast as you can to put your mask back on or put your mask on between each bite. But they are requesting that you find an area, uh, a table that is socially distanced. And Disney's done a great job of, of putting these throughout the parks and keeping them socially distant. And, they're just encouraging you to not walk around with a drink. You know, I think Epcot's World Showcase is like where, where I really go to with my head where this could be a problem because you're going from country to country. Maybe you grab a snack and you want to keep moving. You can carry your snack to the next country, but you just have to have your mask on while you do that. You know, if you're going to eat, if you, if you want to take your mask off, basically, you need to be stationary with your snack or drink. So that's that's something to continue monitoring. They have a task force now, just like a mask task force that walks around with a sign uh, that says, please keep your mask on. You know, you can remove it when stationary. And they're walking around the parks. And I think from the people that have been there, they've joked like, it's crazy that I feel safer at Disney World than I do my local grocery store. But it's because Disney's, you know, they're committed to, to maintaining the safest environment possible. And you know, I, I don't think this is a bad idea to have a task force that walks around the parks to enforce mask wearing. I will say, from everything I've read and heard, people that are visiting Disney World are doing a fantastic job maintaining social distance and wearing a mask. Um, physical distance probably is better better way to say that. But, you know, I haven't been down there to see it. Pete and Matt haven't been down there to see it yet. So we can only go by what people are sharing with us. You know, the one, the one concern I, I still have is, it's summer in Florida, so rainstorms bubble up. You know, we'll be bringing an umbrella in, and we'll probably continue on our day, even with a rainstorm. But I would assume the relaxation areas and the stores probably get really crowded when it rains. I believe in the relaxation zones; they have it. Dis- they have tables distance enough where it's they won't let you in if they can't maintain the distance. But the stores, I know they're trying to count people and and maintain a number in the store that's that's safe from a capacity standpoint. But I don't know how you stop people from both wanting to look at the same t-shirt or both wanting to, you know, we're still human nature prior to all this. We didn't mind if we accidentally bumped into someone in the store or we were in close proximity together. So that's something that hopefully we can get some more light and color on to see exactly what's happening when it rains. Because it's it's rained almost every afternoon uh, over the last week or so at Disney World. And if, and if you watch the wait times, if you, if you log into the app, you'll see... One one key indicator for that is when you see a lot of the outdoor attractions closed. You know that's um, that's what you're seeing. The last piece of news I wanted to share: Disney originally was going to give the additional month. Um, so basically, they took away Park Hopper. They 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 were closed. 
you have the reservation system now. And so what Disney was trying to do for annual pass holders, specifically the platinum annual pass holders, is where I think this thought came in. And they probably should be doing a little more for those pass holders than, than the you know gold and silver. But that's a conversation for another, another day. What they're doing in October, if you had kept your annual pass, they were going to tack on a free month. And essentially, I, I can use my annual pass as, as an example. We had about four months left on our annual pass. The tacking on the fifth month will take us you know, through, through December. They were going to do that in October. And for whatever reason, they changed their stance and, and they've started adding that additional month back in the last few days. And so I, I have not checked to see if ours has been added to our annual passes. But if you're an annual pass holder, be on the lookout for that. Uh, you can still cancel your annual pass if you're not comfortable going. Um, D- Disney is um, allowing cancellations through, I believe, August 11th. You can call the VIP pass holder support number. I think it's 407-939-7277 to cancel passes. You can cancel passes that were paid in full, as well as the monthly payment uh, plans that, that you had if you're in-state. And prorated refunds will be given to those who have paid in full and monthly payment stop for those on the monthly payment plan. So that's still an option as well. But if you are going to keep your annual pass, continue to look for that additional month that uh, that'll be added. And then I know I said the last piece, but I do want to talk about Rise of Resistance. Virtual queue um, is back. I know we've talked about it in the past. I cannot suggest any more strongly that you need to be there at 10 a.m. Because what's happening is people get there at 10 a.m. Boarding passes are still going extremely quickly. You know, some, some are saying within five, two minutes to five minutes at that 10 a.m. window. That doesn't guarantee you're even going to ride because they've had an incredibly difficult time keeping this ride up and running. And so, say you get there at 10 and you get your you get your boarding pass. Great opportunity to ride the ride that day. I'd say it actually might be more difficult now, even than uh, even than when it was right when it opened. I think there was more boarding groups available then. It was pretty known how you get there at park open. You have a chance, not a guarantee. You have a chance. Um, and now you can even get that 10 a.m. And just it depends how it's kind of how it was, right? It depends how, how successfully the ride runs that day, because we, we did feel that in the early months when it opened, you know, back in, I think, December uh, of last year. So uh, keep that in, in your back pocket and understand that if you're going to do Hollywood Studios, go ahead and get there at 9, 930. At, at times, they've actually opened the park early because of the crowds that are you know starting to arrive to get into the park so you may be lucky now just because they open the park early does not mean though oh man i didn't get here at nine they let them in at 9 15 and boarding passes will be gone no, no boarding passes still are going to go at 10 but you you do want to get to the park early maybe you can do something you know you can do something else that that morning uh tower of terror rock and roller coaster probably a good place to go in the morning toy story mania probably a good attraction to go to in the morning i, I would probably avoid mickey and minnie's runaway railway right when it opens just because that does tend to be the worst wait time of the day. Um, and just be ready for that 10 a.m. boarding pass if you have interest in riding Rise of the Resistance. Uh, but anyway, I think that does it for the news. You know, it, it's, uh, again, pretty light news week. It, it will probably continue to be like this um, just with so much. We're, we're still working. We're learning and Disney's still working through. So um, we will keep you up to date with everything we hear. Before we get to the main topic, let's hear from our sponsor, Kingdom Strollers. So your family is coming to Orlando, and the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun. But you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. 
You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers, a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. Then, choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today. Alrighty guys, so we're going to be talking Disney Dark Rides. And when this, when this uh, show idea kind of came to us, we, we, I don't want to say we had a disagreement, but we had a discussion on what is a dark ride. Because if, if you're at home or you're in the car or traveling, working out, however you listen to our podcast, you're probably thinking, I mean, there's a variety of opinions, right? It's anything inside and in the dark. That's what Matt thought. That, that, well, that was, that's kind of Matt's opinion. If you say Disney dark ride, he's like, hey, anything inside that's in the dark. So I asked him, living with the land, is that a dark ride? And he's like, well, some of it's dark and some of it you see light because you go through greenhouses. Um, so we discussed some rides and I said, well, is that a thrill ride or is that a dark ride? So where does it fall more into a category? So for this episode, we did the best we could. I would say more like slow moving dark rides. As I kind of look through this, there's one on the list that could be considered a thrill ride, uh, but we'll get to that. So before we dive into the list, there are 15 that we ranked. We ranked 15 Disney Dark Rides. We'll start at 15, go all the way to one, and talk about why we ranked them the way we did. One exclusion we have. We had to leave out Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway because neither of us have ridden it. It opened you know, shortly before the parks closed. I was at Disney World, I think, three or four days before it opened. I was planning to go back in late March with my wife, and, and it was on the, the to-do list. And obviously, we have not been able to return to the parks since they've reopened now. So we haven't ridden Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. So real quick, Tom, was that like your first thing to do in the parks? Or was that kind of something you were like, we'll get to it when we get to the park? Or like, how, how hyped up were you for it? Yeah, so because my, my wife and I have ridden Rise of the Resistance twice now, you know, both actually, we, we've been to Hollywood Studios two times since that attraction opened, and we were successful in landing boarding passes both times. We were going to get there at Park Open with the idea that we're going to try to get a boarding pass, but our we were probably going to go Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. We we didn't we weren't able to get a fast pass for it, and so that was the only concern where we're like, okay, we'll probably just rope drop it because even though that was a new it, it was a new attraction at the time, people still flooded into Toy Story Land and into Galaxy's Edge, and so that was uh, yeah, I mean it was definitely on the to do list, and we we were I'll put it like this. We were going to do it. I mean, because it's not a virtual queue. So we would wait in the standby line regardless to do it. I've talked about this in the past, but I have friends that are cast members that just rave about this attraction. I mean, honestly, like, you know, RIP to great movie ride, like, sorry, Pete. But people just say this is an awesome attraction. I can't wait to ride it. So I think this would be one of the first things. I mean, obviously, Rise of the Resistance is the first thing I have to do. And then, you know, Flight of Passage as well. But... There's so many things I haven't done since my last Disney trip that I'm excited for a lot of different things, but Mickey's Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway was you know top of the list for me, yeah, right up there. So before we dive into our list, 
as I kind of alluded to, we had a discussion on what was a dark ride. So, like Space Mountain and Splash Mountain, maybe, I mean, yeah, Space Mountain's in the dark. But I would classify those more as like a thrill ride because it's Space Mountain certainly has more of a roller coaster type feel. Splash Mountain has, you know, a 50 foot drop. And that is a thrilling experience. You know, you lose your stomach, or at least I do, on that on that drop. And so then we kind of kicked around with like, what is Mission Space, Smuggler's Run, Star Tours? What are those? Well, two of the three, well, really three of them are all, they're all like flight simulators. They're simulator rides, right? So Yeah, 100%. They're in the dark. I don't know that they like fall into thrilling. You maybe could have slid them into, into dark rides. We chose not to. So those are, those are attractions you won't hear about. One that I saw on a lot of people's list as I, as I kind of researched, what do other people think is a dark ride? I saw a lot of people classify Test Track as a dark ride. And Matt initially said Test Track, but then we kind of walked that back. I mean, it's the fastest attraction in Disney World. That can't be a dark ride to me. That has to be classified as a thrill ride. Um, so then, then you get to things like Flight of Passage, Soarin'. Those certainly aren't thrilling. They are unique. I mean, they're they're incredible. Flight of Passage is incredible. Yeah, and it's one of those, it's a differentiation we have to make. And I think that, you know, a lot of our listeners who were probably kind of confused like I am, or at least I hope I wasn't the only person confused. But I mean, I would say Soren is a, you know, a dark ride. But I don't, I don't know, maybe because, you know, the you got the big screen and it's pretty lit the entire time. <laughs> I don't know. Both, but, both definitions of the word lit. Yeah, 100%. But we have 15 rides here. And, you know, if you guys have any questions, let us know. And the last one that kind of fell in this, what is it, was Rise of Resistance. And, you know, Matt hasn't had the opportunity to ride that attraction. Most of it takes place in, I mean, not most of it, a lot of it takes place in the dark. Uh, I mean, it's not a dark ride to me. It's still, it's still more on the thrill ride spectrum. And so those type attractions, I'll list them off really quickly again. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, Space Mountain, Splash Mountain, Flight of Passage, Soren, Rise of Resistance, Mission Space, Smuggler's Run, Star Tours, Test Track. They will not be in the list. And that was on purpose. So as we go through this list, I don't want you to think, oh man, you guys, you left this off. This is just the way through our research and our opinion, this is kind of where we settled on what a dark ride is. And we'll get into some of those now. And, and no better spot to start than number 15 this is what we ranked as the worst dark ride in Disney World, but I still like the attraction. It's Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid, and this is found in the Magic Kingdom. And when we say, you know, worst on our list, like, granted, guys, there's only 15. And we got some questionables we'll throw on here a little bit later, maybe. Um, I, Thomas already touched on that, so maybe we won't throw them out there. But 15? I mean, not bad. I enjoy this. I enjoy this attraction. I enjoy the air conditioning. I enjoy the story. And I enjoy getting some shade. Yeah, so I enjoy the music here. I, I'm I'm a sucker for the Little Mermaid soundtrack. I uh, can be seen driving down the interstate sometimes, singing all parts of all songs. So I don't. I'll sing Ariel's part and Ursula's part. I'm I'm good at both. And if if you were to tell me, hey, we'll rank you the number fifteen attraction in Disney World, I wouldn't ask how long's the list. I would just take my spot at number fifteen. So. This is this is what this is what you're gonna get, kind of dark ride wise, right? This is a classic Omni mover. You're in shells. You're going through the story of the Little Mermaid. You do have snippets of the classics, and it essentially retells the story. And you're kind of going through scene by scene. 
there's a lot of people that think this space could be used for something better. I know Pete is one of those. We've tried to reimagine this space on our podcast platform before in episodes. But for the purpose of this, it does classify as a dark ride, so it does have to be on the list, and it's number 15 for us. So number 14 on our list is something that I think it just kind of depends on, you know, who you're with on your trip. If you're with children, you know, this is a really fun attraction. But number 14 on our list is the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. And when this technology came out, like when you bounce with Tigger, it's a lot of fun. And like just the ride, the ride in general and, you know, the the advancements in technology at the time for this ride were really fun. And kids still love this attraction. And I, I don't mind it. I mean, it's not saying I'm going to you know, make a plan to ride. But if if my group wants to go ride the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh, I'm not saying no. What about you, Tom? Yeah, so this one's interesting for me because I'm, I'm with Matt. When this ride came out, very easily you'd see this in the 40 to 50 to 60 minute waits at times. And as I look at the list, there are our, our version of dark rides that I don't ride every time that I visit Disney World. But the Mini Adventures of Winnie the Pooh is one I ride every time, and I'll tell you why. One, I challenge you to ride this attraction without smiling. You're at least going to smile and laugh at some point. Who doesn't love the story of Winnie the Pooh? But two, it's it's right across from Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. And so you'll get off of Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, and you'll be like, what do we do next? Oh, we have about 20 minutes till our next Fast Pass starts. Hey, you want to ride Winnie the Pooh? It's a 15-minute wait. And so then you just kind of walk on. And I, I do like this attraction. There are some little, what they call Disney Easter eggs. You can see um, you can see uh, the deed being handed over uh, to Owl in this attraction. And there are some interactive spots in the queue that are closed off right now due to, you know, the coronavirus, but that are typically open that the kids like to play with and experience. So I think it is number 14. It's found in Fantasyland and Magic Kingdom, Many, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, it is a dark ride. It's a dark ride that I actually enjoy. And as I look up the list, I tried to rank these objectively, not not based on my preference, but based off what what I feel like is accurate. Um, this one does fall below some rides that I actually like less than this one. But on our list, it's going to fall at number fourteen uh, on the on the top Disney dark rides. Number thirteen is the seas with the sea with Nemo and friends. And so think. This is an Epcot. This is a really, really similar ride vehicle to what you see at Under the Sea, Journey of Little Mermaid. And essentially all this is, what I call it, it's a moving queue. It takes you into, you know, the area of the aquarium that you can explore. Uh, it takes you to Turtle Talk with Crush. If, you, if you're going to go see that show, um, a lot of people will choose to ride the sea with Nemo and friends. Two, two positives about this. One, I think the story of Finding Nemo is awesome. While you don't get the story, you do have the characters. But two, fantastic air condition. I could actually just go sit in the queue here, the standing portion of the queue, and I'd be pretty happy. To be honest, I really enjoy the seas. It's a lot of fun. So I'm going to do it anyway, and if I'm going to make my way down there, I'm going to definitely take the sea with Nemo and friends. And like Tom said, the air condition is great. Um, number 12 is another one that I don't have any experience with, so I'm going to rely on Tom for this. I mean, I've, I've, I've actually, this is one I have watched the YouTube video of just because Tom and Pete just told me it wasn't that great. And if the animatronic would ever work, the Navi River journey might be worth it, might be worth it. But 
I'm I'm kind of surprised that it fell on number twelve on our list because I didn't I didn't vote on this one because I haven't been on it. So Tom, so, explain yourself. Yeah, this is this is this is actually one that I was thinking about when I was talking about we were talking about many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, and I said, hey, there are there are attractions higher on this list that I actually like less than the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Navi River Journey is one of them. So the animatronic has a really actually a fairly good success rate of working. I've only been on it one time where it didn't work and I have ridden this more than more than twice. I know it sounds like I don't ride it very often. But this is just an attraction that that doesn't really I mean, I guess it it was more expectations that set this down for me. I had these high expectations for this. I was really excited. I would hear Disney talk about it. I'd read the press and news release releases about it. And then I wrote it and was very underwhelmed. One thing I think they could have done better in this attraction is more animatronics. Now, that's not cheap. I understand that. But I think that animatronic is all I'm waiting for. And where it falls on the ride, it's just you wait, you wait, you wait. You see the animatronic, you hop off. And I think about what they did in another dark ride that's found in Epcot in the Norway Pavilion. We're going to talk about that later. And that, that attraction is such a success, and they could have done technology more similar to that and made this a better attraction. It did it did fall at number 12 on our list, and I mean, I would say if Disney executives were listening to this, they would be disappointed, because this is one of the newest attractions in all of Walt Disney World, and it's it's still well behind you know some of the older ones. Yeah, so moving over to number 11, this is the one that I was thinking in my head, can we justify this as a dark ride? And it was Dinosaur. Because some would classify this as a thrill ride. But here's the reason that I think it can fall into a dark ride category now. And Matt, I'd love your opinion because this is one you're quite familiar with. I've seen pictures of you quite terrified of this attraction. At at the time that, that these pictures were taken, this was without a doubt a thrill ride. Uh, may, maybe even a scary ride. But now the way they've changed it from a lighting perspective... It's still dark, but you see what's coming. So there's not the jump thrills that you were getting back when this attraction first opened. I mean, they they had to change the attraction, unfortunately, due to some complaints that it was too terrifying. So it falls into a... Like, I, I don't see kids walk off this terrified. Like, I feel like I used to. Now, maybe I was just easily scared. Maybe Matt was easily scared. I don't know. But this is the only questionable one on the dark ride or slash thrill ride category within our list. I think based on what you you talked about, this is no longer a thrill ride. It's more just going back into the past and riding around. And there's no real scare. So I think it's definitely a dark ride. It's, I mean, I haven't ridden this since the, that fateful picture. <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. Well, it's still, I, I always stress this when we do these lists because you have like, the worst thrill, the worst dark ride is under the sea, right? Didn't, we like all these. Like I, I ride all these attractions, so I still talk about them in a positive light. But yeah, it, it's probably more of a dark ride in my book. But I would love to hear what you guys think. You know, if if you listen to this episode and you're like, no, 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 totally disagree. Dinosaur is not a dark ride; it's a thrill ride, or whatever. Don't hesitate to share that with us. Now, go, this next one, this next one's gonna, this one's probably gonna ruffle some feathers. Our number ten. It definitely will, and I'm actually like, Tom's waiting on me to say it, so he's going to put all this burden on me, but number 10 on our list is It's a Small World, and granted, guys, I know the history of It's a Small World. 
I know everything about It's a Small World. I just don't enjoy it that much anymore. And to put it as number 10, I mean, I feel like we're we're kind of sliding it. But at the same time, we're not giving enough respect. At the same time, like, it should be number 16 on a 15 ride list. So, so that's what I was going to ask you, Matt. I, I know I took a, a lot of the uh, voting power in this list. You were just kind of going along with me. Of the attractions we've discussed so far, would you want to ride all of them ahead of It's a Small World? You know, it depends on who I'm with. Like, I'm going to rely on my group, and if they want to ride It's a Small World over these, I'll ride it. I don't have it. Like, I really don't have a preference preference here except for air conditioning. And it just depends. I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you there, Tom. I think there's people listening right now that could say like, yeah, I, I can see it at rank number 10, but like what we directly ranked at number nine, I think people would be like, okay, no, it deserved to be above that one. But okay. So <laughs> here, here's kind of where this fell for me. I'm with Matt. I, I think this list can change depending on who you're with, what age group you're with and what, uh, and I mean, age group, like pretty loosely, like if you're with some older folks or some younger folks who can't ride certain attractions, it's a small world's great for everybody. But it just, it doesn't necessarily do it for me anymore. And I guess this was more subjective than objective because I think if it was an object, objective list, It's a Small World would have been higher and we, we have to give our opinion. So It's a Small World falls in at number 10 on our Disney dark rides. I know that's going to frustrate some people because I, I'm looking at two rides, three, three attractions above it that people are going to be just ticked about. And we'll start that with number nine. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go back to back here, and I'll just take the brunt for the entire podcast. Number nine on our list is um, the Grand Fiesta Tour, which is in the World Showcase. It's at the Mexico Pavilion, and you know what? It's a water ride, kind of like it's a small world. There are aspects that are similar, and it definitely has a lot less history than it's a small world. All right. I will take take the blows for doing this. Here's my thought process, and stay with me out there. What is the most annoying song you've ever listened to? You've, it's in It's a Small World. Everyone gets off Grand Fiesta Tour smiling. Not everyone gets off It's a Small World smiling. And you have to put this into the equation. Typically, when when our trips ride this, we've had maybe a margarita, and then we decided to hop on. Or we've done the World Showcase, we've come back in for another margarita, and then we, we decide to hop on. So we're in a very joyful mood. We're very jovial. And you ride this, and it's not, I mean, it's not any more thrilling or less thrilling than a normal boat ride, and the technology is is not great. I mean, the animatronics are minimal, and when you do see them, they're not very good. But for some reason, this song, I love the song, Grand Fiesta Tour. I'm not going to sing it for you because I'm not a very good singer, but that's kind of where my head's at with it. I think another positive aspect of the Grand Fiesta Tour, and I'm still laughing that we have it over, it's a small world, but you walk in to the Mexican pavilion and then you, you know, you, you walk into the, the nighttime town square and there's a market and there's air conditioning and there's margaritas and there's shopping and it feels pretty good. I feel like anytime I walk on, it's a small world. I've kind of waited a little bit in fantasy land. There's a lot of kids screaming, a lot of people, you know, not in a good mood. And so like I'm getting on, it's a small world already kind of perturbed. And, and you're, you're getting on, it's, it's a small world is located in what I have I mean, self-proclaimed as the worst bottleneck in Disney World. You can disagree with me. That's fine. If you want to be on the right side of history, you should agree with me. Because when you take that turn 
from where Peter Pan and It's a Small World are to go to Haunted Mansion, it's the tightest spot in Disney World where the the largest number of people go because you're in between three attractions that pretty much every age can ride. But back to the Grand Fiesta Tour, I, I'm with Matt. I think the I think the air condition plays a role in it. I think the overall music in the area, just the whole feel of it. And then who doesn't love the smell of a Disney boat ride? And indoors you smell it more than you do and it's a small world because it is kind of open air by the by the loading spot of it's a small world i'll tell you who definitely loves the smell and that's pete <laughs> pete loves the pete. water rides and we will get to a water ride that is one of his favorite smells later in the episode but as we move to number eight this is where i think the list tightens up there's only one more I'm, or maybe two more i'm worried about but number eight is peter pan and i can see where people are going to be frustrated but let's talk Peter Pan real quick. It is arguably a top five queue in Disney World. And I'm thankful that it is because you're going to be in it a really long time. It's always a long wait. It is a dark ride. It is a Disney classic ride. And it is one that if you want to ride it, I suggest getting a fast pass for it. You do miss the you do miss all the upgrades they've done within the queue. But it's such a short ride. And then the voice of Captain Hook. It's not Captain Hook's voice, and it drives me crazy. Well, I will say one thing about Peter Pan is I think they do a fantastic job of making you feel like you're flying. Like just when you when you go across London and you're making your way to Never Never Land, they do a really good job to make you feel like you're really high above the ground. And then you, you go into Never Never Land, and it's like it's real, and it's fun, and you see everything life-size like you're in Never Never Land. So I love Peter Pan, and honestly, Tom, I'm looking at number seven on our list. And I think we're going to have some problems here when we rated Peter Pan below number seven. Am I am I misremembering? Isn't it just it's just Neverland? It's not Never Neverland, right? I think it's Never Neverland. Well, Maybe I, I think it's I think it's Neverland. no no it's all it's yeah I'm hearing Peter Pan yell off to Neverland. So yeah yep I I call it Never Neverland. <laughs> Matt really really wants to go visit Never Neverland. Well. So Peter Pan is, it's like we said, Disney classic. I'm with Matt. I think from when they, if you look at when this attraction was constructed, without gutting the entire thing, you just kind of have to work with the technology there. It's not a huge space. They do a really good job of making you feel like you're flying. One of my favorite aspects about this attraction is like pixie dust is a a big deal, Um, obviously in Disney World and obviously in Peter Pan. And when your ride um, restraint, you know, the the bar that, that... will sit over your waist, oftentimes the cast member will act as if he or she is sprinkling um, pixie dust on it. And that's what will lower your safety bar. So that's a cool aspect. I, I like Peter Pan. It is number eight on our list, but just for, for us, I, it just it's not going to get much higher. Number seven is probably a spot it could have slid to. Uh, seven, we have Spaceship Earth in Epcot, obviously. It is the first attraction people have the opportunity to ride as they enter Epcot. And it was scheduled for a renovation. We had the COVID closures. It is still scheduled to be renovated. Um, just don't know when all that's going to take place. Spaceship Earth, slow moving ride. It's definitely a dark ride. It falls under this category. I think everyone agrees with that. But Matt, I feel like you wish Peter Pan would have been one slot higher maybe. I feel like we're kind of giving Pete a little nod here, putting Spaceship Earth above Peter Pan. Um, I know Pete loves Spaceship Earth. I don't. I don't mind it. I'm excited to see what they do to change it because it's it's gone it's gone through some changes over the years, but Spaceship Earth is fun. I mean, Pete and I have some hilarious pictures on Spaceship Earth. 
that you know they kind of took of us and we had like the picture plan whatever i just you know like it's iconic because it's you know the big golf ball on the big golf tee in epcot and everybody knows what's in there but like we talked about on past podcasts i don't think people anticipate what spaceship earth actually is when they get in that in that queue and for that reason i I think most people leave spaceship earth a little underwhelmed than they do you know other rides where they kind of know exactly what it is yeah, I'm, I, this is probably a nod to some of Pete's influence on the podcast, but a lot of people do really like Spaceship Earth. I mean, it's a classic Disney attraction. It is, um, you know, I, I still kind of look back. I mean, there's only a few maybe I would slide above it. It's one that I ride every time. As you look at the tiered fast pass system that we did have, don't know what we're going to have in the future. This is a fast pass I often found myself choosing and riding. So it did hit number seven on our list. And now you're feeling, now you're about to feel some of the, the Tom influence on number six. Yeah. As we move to number six here, and this might be Tom and Matt influence. I know that Pete is kind of over this attraction and thinks that it could, you know, be, you know, repurposed for something else. But number six on our list, as we approach our top five is Buzz Lightyear space Ranger spin. And guys, I get it. The technology is outdated. I get it, but it's still so much fun. And it's so much fun, especially when we talked about in the last episode, or maybe it was, a couple of episodes ago, but people don't go to Walt Disney World every month like Tom. Like a lot of people go once every 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 other year or every three years, every five years. So you have to remember, like this is still a unique experience for a lot of folks, and it's so much fun to take a Disney newbie on Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin and you know shoot a nine hundred ninety nine thousand ninety nine or nine hundred ninety nine, like you know top score because you can do it if you know what you're doing, but. Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin is so much fun for me because it brings back nostalgia to, you know, trying to control where, you know, where the, the ride vehicle is, is pointing and who's aiming for what. And it just brings some competitiveness into, you know, your Disney trip, which is always a good thing. Yeah. So this, this is actually one that we toyed with. Is it a dark ride or not? And the funny thing is I can see this falling anywhere from probably no higher than six, but all the way down to 15. Like, I, depending on who you're with, this is a hit or miss. Now, one thing that is interesting, we didn't we didn't do on this list. You'll find that the, the attractions that we have higher rate or rated don't always have the longer waits, which I think is funny because this is kind of our personal spin on Disney Dark Rides. So, Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin did slide in at six. I know Pete will have a cow when he hears this and he's editing this because he's not a fan of this. And the funny thing is he does often get the max score. I just think he's over this attraction and he thinks that Disney world, uh, magic kingdom, Tomorrowland could use an upgrade here. Number five is 100% the Tom influence. You will never need a fast pass. You will never see a wait uh, longer, hopefully longer than 10 to 15 minutes for this. If you do, you are there in the absolute peak time of the year, but it's journey into imagination with figment. This is not a good attraction. A lot of people wish it would revert back to the previous state and structure of the attraction. A lot of people feel like it was better there. Figment certainly needs a place in Epcot as kind of the unofficial official Epcot mascot. But if you don't love the song, One Little Spark, you're lying. It's like, it's like what, what do I say sometimes, Matt? There's two types of people in the world. There are people that will sometimes pee in the shower and then they're, they're liars Everyone likes the song, One Little Spark, and that's why I forced Journey into Imagination with Figment all the way up to number five, because fortunately, we don't have Pete influencing this list, 
and Matt had to walk out of the room, and I just slid in at number five. So to be honest, like I just didn't want to die on this hill. I knew where Tom put Figment, and I knew exactly what he was thinking when he put Figment number five. I don't have a problem with Figment. Like I ride it every time I go. Like we talked about a lot of these rides. I don't have a passion for um, Journey into Imagination with a Figment. Like Tom said, there are a lot of folks that wish it would go back to its like original original. And yeah, I, I don't know if I remember that. Maybe I do. I, I should. I'm old enough to remember it. But I mean, he is the mascot of Epcot. He deserves a place in Epcot. And thankfully, he just stays in Epcot. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. This probably isn't number five. If I, were to, if I were to reshuffle this list and be honest, I mean, Peter Pan deserved a spot over both Figment and Buzz Lightyear. You know, you could make a case for It's a Small World. You can make a case for Dinosaur. But that's the fun part about us doing this podcast. We get to hear everyone else's opinion as well. We encourage you guys to say, hey, you're wrong. We love it. Because we probably are wrong. But this is just the list we settled on. And now we're sliding into what I think are a pretty difficult top four to crack. Matt, I think, had one disagreement here. But it was it was minimal. I mean, it was I liked it number three. He liked it number four. Um, but we'll start with number four. This is probably the souped-up version of Buzz Lightyear. And ironically, it is the same movie franchise. We're obviously talking about Toy Story Mania. Again, if we were going to put one of these in as a dark ride, you had to put the other one in. Toy Story Mania is 100% the better attraction. And it's number four on our list of Disney World dark rides. It's found in Toy Story Land, in Hollywood Studios. And it's different than Buzz Lightyear, where you're switching in a ride vehicle that will spin and it will also go to various screens where you have the ability to score and you're wearing 3d glasses toy story mania is one of my favorite attractions at disney world it's one that i try to get a fast pass for every time i enter hollywood studios and i'll give you a little pro tip if you don't have a say say you're fortunate enough to have a slinky dog fast pass or a uh, mickey and minnie's runaway railway fast pass and you're like what do i do when the park opens i'm not a huge throw ride person Go ride Toy Story Mania. You could do it multiple times in a row before the before the, the line builds up because everyone's rushing to do Slinky Dog. That's the attraction that, that garners the most attention in Toy Story Land. And so Toy Story Mania is a dark ride that I think is a ton of fun and it's a family-friendly attraction. Very similar to everyone we've listed so far with the exception of maybe Dinosaur. Yeah, and Toy Story Mania is... Like Tom said, it's fun. It's like Buzz Lightyear on steroids. Like if you love if you love, you know, Toy Story, go go to Toy Story Mania. It's a lot of fun. You're not going to be disappointed. Um number 3 on our list here, and I purposely said number 3 so I can say number 1. Um Tom, tell me about Frozen Ever After cuz I enjoy it. I miss Maelstrom. I understand why Frozen has, you know, such a soft spot in every Disney fan's heart. But why do you rank it number 3? Cuz I would have ranked it a little bit lower. So Frozen Ever After's ranking could be a byproduct of what's available in Epcot. Because if you look around, you're going to do Soren, you're going to do Test Track for certain. What's the next best attraction? It's probably Frozen Ever After. I mean, maybe some people would maybe push that, I don't know, Spaceship Earth's better. I, you know, I don't know. And, and so I, when I go to Epcot, it is a, it's kind of a highlight for me. And I, I agree. The World Showcase actually needs more attractions. I think we'll, we'll all agree with that. And taking this from Maelstrom, which, you know, was kind of dated. It was a lot of fun. But bringing some Disney IP into the situation here and into the, the park, was it was a can't miss. I mean, people love Frozen. I will say I think Frozen is better than Frozen 2. 
Don't come at me on Twitter. I just think Frozen is better than Frozen 2. So if we're talking about the movie franchise, I totally agree that Frozen is the better movie. And I hope they don't change the attraction for this. But I don't know. Frozen After After has a soft spot in my heart. And this is coming from someone who didn't expect much out of this attraction, who actually said, oh, I wish we had Maelstrom still. Now it is, you know, if I'm going to do a, a, a fast pass, I won't Frozen Ever After. And I'll just kind of fend for myself on the other attractions within Epcot. So maybe it crept a little too high on our Disney World Dark Rides. But I still feel okay. I mean, it, it, I wouldn't put it lower than five. And if, if your variance is only a couple, I think you can. And I wouldn't put it higher than three. So I think we're in a safe spot. I know Matt has saved number one for himself by naming number three. So I guess it's my turn to name number two. And let me tell you, this is a really, really difficult decision. And number, I mean, number one is certainly worthy of number one. And number two could easily fight for that spot. It's like 1A, 1B. I will say, like, if you want to put number two, number one, I'm okay with it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to leave it as is. I think I think number two is is Haunted Mansion. That's on our list. There are a lot of people who are now who have now just honked the horn, driven off the road, picked up the pace in their workout because they're frustrated that Haunted Mansion didn't land as number one. And that's what Matt was alluding to. I could very easily see Haunted Mansion being the best dark ride in Disney World because you're going through a Haunted Mansion. Now, it's a slow-moving slow moving attraction. Uh, it's on an Omnimover, as we've mentioned many times in here before. The storyline's great. The music is great. And that's one thing I didn't mention on Frozen. The music obviously helps it. But back to Haunted Mansion. Everything about this attraction is done perfectly. The queue that's been updated is fantastic. And the pre-shows, which I would say the stretching room is a pre-show, while it's not in its full effect now because of everything virus-related, it's not an area that they're – it's just a moving It's a moving queue now. But Haunted Mansion is such a good attraction. We've, we have a whole episode dedicated to Haunted Mansion and the various storylines we think are going on in there. Uh, this falls at number two on our Walt Disney World Dark Ride list. I wish I could say more about the Haunted Mansion. I, I, I love it. It's one of those things where, you know, you hear that song and it just, I don't know, even as a little kid, like I, I've, I've read, I wrote it multiple times and I was still kind of scared each time. And even now, like, I don't want to be my own doom buggy. I want to be with somebody else just because it is a haunted mansion, but it's fun. It's so much, so much fun actually that everyone should do it. If you haven't done haunted mansion, like number two on our list, like go do it. Number one. And I think everybody now that's, you know driving home or on the treadmill or working out like knows that we're talking about Pirates of the Caribbean and Pirates of the Caribbean is special to all of us, not just because of the movies that you know came from it, but this ride is so much fun, right Tom? Pirates was fun well before the movie franchise. And I have probably, I have a better, I have more of an appreciation for Pirates now that it's my, it's my wife's favorite attraction in Disney world. So it's a must-do for us. It always was a must-do, but the music in Pirates is great. The story, the conflicting storylines in Pirates is great. You know, the Disney legend that Pirates of the Caribbean might actually be haunted by a Disney ghost is great. And just, you know, I like the Jack Sparrow editions. I know that, that Pete could probably uh, take it or leave it on those. That's kind of his opinion. I think Pete wished that we didn't change the the redhead scene. Where now they're, I think they're bidding on chickens, I believe. Uh, Pete, Pete just liked the original iteration of the attraction. It didn't bother me that they really changed it, but I love it. It's an attraction I do every time. And this is what we talk about a Disney water ride smell. 
This is it. This is what Pete lives off of. So honestly, guys, like, I mean, Tom, you know, we get together, you know, occasionally. We we have a boat that we all go on. Like, how many times do we play Yo-Ho, Yo-Ho? It's a pirate's life for me. Every time. Inevitably, it comes on. And, you know, we, we've had a few, probably a few adult beverages as we're as we're driving around the lake. And, and it's, it's actually just a fun memory because everyone automatically triggers into our experience, which is Walt Disney World and Pirates of the Caribbean. And so I, I think the whole queue is great. I think the area is great. The attraction, you know, the small drop that we discussed in last week's episode as a, as a secret, the scenes are great. The animatronics. I mean, I, I can't say enough positive about this. And as we, and I'll review the list here in a second, but it's tough to say that this one falls further than number two on our list. I mean, this is just a great attraction. When we talk about number one and number two, it's just classic attractions that have not... Okay, Pirates have changed a little bit over time, but Haunted Mansion is pretty much the same. Like, There's just something to be said about having animatronics that stand the test of time. There's something to be said about you know a ride that just captures everyone's interest for, what, is it 20, 30 years now? At least. It's it's what it's what uh, we have a Patreon episode discussing this. You know the simplicity behind these attractions. Pirates certainly has had some changes. The advent of Jack Sparrow, some of the uh, changes around the scene we just discussed. Haunted Mansion has had some improvements from a technology standpoint. They've brightened some images. They've changed the bride. But overall, it's not. It, these aren't attractions that are going to blow you away from a technology standpoint. And they now they don't have to. That's how I mean. Frozen Ever After has more technology than both these attractions put together but it's not going to fall higher on the list. And and while Disney is starting to mix in some of these attractions, certainly Mickey and Minnie's Runaway, Rail- Runaway Railway could have been number one. We don't know. We haven't ridden it. The technology in there is, is spectacular from what we've read. There's something about the simplicity and just the, just the Disney nostalgia factor you get with those type attractions. And so that's why Pirates and Haunted Mansion are 1A, 1B for us. And we definitely want to hear from you guys. Let us know what you think. You know, did we miss any, like Tom said earlier? I mean, do you do you think Space Mountain's a dark ride, Splash Mountain? Um, let us know because we love to hear you guys' thoughts and, you know, just kind of go forward with the more, you know, better appreciation of Disney and what, you know, everyone listens to us likes because we're still all Disney fans at heart. Um, I feel like it's a good episode. I'm, I'm so excited that we talked about this because I feel like the dark rides some kind, sometimes kind of get like a, you know, bad rap. I don't want to say a bad rap, but I, I think the focus certainly, I mean, it's natural. We talk about Flight of Passage a lot. We talk about Space and Splash Mountain. We talk about Rise of the Resistance, you know, Tower of Terror, Rock and Roller Coaster, Expedition Everest. I could go on and on about a lot of the thrill rides. Uh, but to focus on just that, what we deem by our definition as Disney dark rides, I think is fun. And before I get to the, the secret and the trivia, I want to run through the list one more time. I'm going to go from one to 15. Here's what we ranked them. Tell us your thoughts. Tell us your feelings around it. Number one was Pirates of the Caribbean. Number two, Haunted Mansion. Number three, Frozen Ever After. Number four, Toy Story Mania. Number five, Upon Reflection, Too High. Journey to Imagination with Figment. Number six, Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin. Number seven, Spaceship Earth. Number eight, Peter Pan. Number nine, Great Grand Fiesta Tour. Number 10, It's a Small World. Number 11, Dinosaur. Number 12, Navi River Journey. Number 13, The Seas with Nemo and Friends. Number 14, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. And number 15, Under the Sea. Journey of the Little Mermaid. As I mentioned to start the episode, we left out Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. We haven't had the chance to ride it. And then the attractions like Space and Splash and Flight of Passage, Soarin', Rise of Resistance, Mission Space, we didn't put those in. We tried to 
take out the thrill rides, take out the the um, simulators, and just focus on what we find and deem as slow-moving dark rides for the most part. But with all that said, it is time for our Secret of the Night Trivia of the Week. Secret of the Night. Did you know the sign for Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin was previously used for Delta Dream Flight. So if you look closely at the sign above the doors to Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin, you'll notice that it's still in the shape of a cloud. This is because of the attraction's history. It opened originally opened in 1974 as If You Had Wings, later renamed to Delta Dream Flight. The attraction was sponsored by an airline, and each variation took you through different travel locations. The cloud was very fitting as the signage, and Disney decided to keep it and just retheme it to Buzz Lightyear. Trivia question of the week. We're going to go last week and then this week. So last week, I asked you a pretty simple one. How many square miles does Disney World encompass? Because Disney's constantly trying to buy and acquire different lands, it's tough to keep an accurate number, but it's not such a small world after all. Disney encompasses well over 50 square miles of space. And so as we talked about last episode, just the size differential between Disney World and other theme parks, I mean, you hear it there. So going to the trivia question of this week, how many Tomorrowland attractions have been retired? So how many Tomorrowland attractions in the history of the Magic Kingdom and Disney World have been retired? You can tweet us at Podcast or email us at mendowdw at gmail.com with your guesses. Um, I do like to mention we have a Patreon account. It's uh, www.patreon.com forward slash MendoWDW. Um, we, we appreciate the support. We're up to four episodes a week now. As we start to get back into the parks, hopefully in August, we're, we're actually trying to plan a trip. Uh, we will have more content available through our Patreon. We appreciate the support we have on it now. would love for you guys to jump in. You'd have access to all the previous episodes as well as all the new content that we plan to roll out there. But other than that, that's all for us this week. Please tune in next next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on Twitter at Podcast. And uh, if you have any suggestions or, or ideas that you want us to discuss or questions, feel free to tweet us or email us at mendowdw at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please continue to subscribe, leave reviews, tell friends. We appreciate all the word of mouth we can get on our podcast. Uh, And obviously, we appreciate you guys listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We will be sure to see you next week.